Welcome, friends and family, to random number 84. That's right, roomies and movies number 84. Uh, we're doing something a little different for this year. Uh, we're going to try doing this once a month at least, um, doing this uh, print-to-screen adaptation. Uh, so we read the first volume of Deadly Class, uh, and we watched the pilot for the new sci-fi series. Um, also uh, ran by the writers and artists, Remender and Craig, um, but directed by Russo Brothers. Uh, the pilot was anyway, Mm-mm. I'm sure... There it wasn't what the Russo br- they produced it, they didn't direct it. Oh, well, good to know. Uh, I know they were big, big names being thrown around for like in the featurettes and whatnot. I watched a bunch of them, so um, also we watched the first half of Breaking Bad season five. That's right, we have eight episodes to go, and that series is a wrap. Uh, I'm pretty it's this whole problem where it's a really great show and I don't want it to end just like Hannibal and it's like god damn it but I'm so pleased with how it's coming along that now I'm really excited to get through these last eight episodes uh, we also did yeah we watched the new glass um, I watched Unbreakable and Split uh, did you rewatch them no I've I've seen Unbreakable a lot yeah. that was always like my favorite Shyamalan movie before he like shit the bed you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I mean Split was only like a year ago two years, yeah, two ago. years ago which is funny because I remember we, we talked about the, it on the show yeah that was the first episode we talked briefly about it Um, and I'm interested to see what you thought about Glass so uh, we'll get into that later Um, also we watched the pilot of The Passage new show on Fox um and I, I don't believe there could be more disdain in your voice when you said that. Uh, no, the, the okay, so- the only disdain is from uh, I believe it was free on Prime for the like the last two weeks, maybe. Um, but I went to watch it tonight and you had to pay for it, so I had to flip over to the other streaming service and watch it. So I was probably catching oh, up. I was watching Hulu, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure it's free on Hulu, but it was free on Prime for like the last week or so. Um, and I went huh, to I went to watch it last night, and I was like, eh, "I'll get I'll get cut up tomorrow." And then went to watch it today, and it was like, "Pay a dollar ninety nine." I was like, "That's not going to happen." Calm down. So um, yeah, we'll get into that, and then you we were accidentally. <laughs> I was gonna say you weren't just gonna accidentally buy it again like you did on my account. Listen, with it happens. It's whatever. Uh, and then we watched the new Netflix movie Close with uh, my girl Numi. So, um, did you watch anything else besides all of that? Um, I did. What did I watch? Um, obviously, I, I told you I just kind of I barreled through all of Breaking <laughs> Bad and just got it done, um, which is forgivable uh, because you've seen it, so you knew what to expect. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I knew it was coming. I was just like, I just because you started texting me, like, like I told you, I had stopped uh, on episode eight. Like, I just gotten tired when I was watching it. I had like twenty minutes left, and I paused it. And you started texting me that you were watching, and you were like three episodes behind me. I was like, I'm gonna pull it up and just finish. And I was like, I know what's coming. I'm just gonna keep going <laughs> out there. And I just watched it straight through. Um, and then um, 
fuck. I watched my normal weekly shit. Got caught up on that. Um, I watched three documentaries this weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> what were those on? Yeah, um, I watched uh, one called Shirkers. It's about this uh, fuck. I want to. Is it Korean? I don't even remember. A Vietnamese. Uh, I I'm drawing a blank already. Anyway, it was just like this. Uh, these couple young girls in the the 80s, like getting into film uh, and foreign film and wanting to make their own movie. And this guy who like helped them produce it, who was their film teacher. And he was this really weird, creepy guy and kind of like the idea of this lost film because he screwed him over and like stole all the film reels and stuff and what it means to them to finally like get it back and try and figure out what this guy's motive was and stuff. And it's really interesting. It's really good. Um, and then where'd you watch that? On? I watched the competing, uh, documentaries, one on Hulu, one on Netflix <laughs> of, uh, the failed fire festival, uh, which is just a shit show. Wait, so um, which documentary was better? The Netflix one by far. Um, I was only interested because like Netflix was like, we got this documentary coming out. And I was like, okay. And then like the Monday before it dropped on Friday on Netflix, Hulu was like, we got one too. It's out right now. <laughs> Go watch it. And it's like, what? <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I saw it in the um, review and I was thinking about watching it. So yeah, I'm interested. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like I remembered like dying laughing uh, when like Twitter was breaking that of all these people who spent thousands of dollars to go to this fucking refugee camp that no one showed up to to play and <laughs> make fun of all these rich people but <laughs> but like the uh i don't know there's some ethical problems with each documentary which is kind of interesting um the like the main guy who was a fucking con artist and screwed yeah. all these people over multiple multiple times like Netflix paid or not Netflix Hulu paid him like $150,000 to do an interview for the movie. And like, <laughs> he barely talks. They don't push him on anything. Um, and then the Netflix one was co-produced by the social media team who fucking ran the social media for the actual event. <laughs> it's like, there's some like gross shit on both sides of each documentary, but I don't know. It's, it's almost worth it to watch the scene where like the fucking uh, the festival fails and then all these people start talking about suing and stuff. And the, the company holds this uh, meeting for everyone involved, all the people who work there. Cause it's not a huge company. And they're like, <laughs> cause only like two people were really working on it. The rest of the team was working on this app. Yeah. And uh, the guy's just like, dude, like you should have told us, you should have kept us in the loop. Like this fucks us as a company, you know, like we committed, fraud and jaw rules there he's like i wouldn't call it fraud more like false advertising i was like fuck you jaw rule <laughs> oh that's fantastic what a shit show yeah uh well that was two years ago wasn't it or was that last year uh t- i think it was two years ago wow interesting i don't know is that all you got uh, for the last weeks of entertainment? 
Yes, I believe nice. so. I feel like I might have watched something else on Netflix, but I don't know. Who knows? Nice. I caught, Who I knows anymore? A Western on Netflix. Um, I am Salvation with Mads Mikkelsen and then uh, Comedian and Eva Green. There's a handful of other ones Ooh. that weren't weren't. Uh, I mean, they were kind of big, bigger names, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, and then I caught the fucking mule last week. Boy. Oh yeah, how was that? What a fucking what a terrible movie. Boy god. <laughs> and even with you bracing me for impact telling me like that movie is comp- like the grossest movie I've seen in a long time. Um, oh shit. You seen you seen Gran Torino, right? Yeah, and that movie's real gross. Yeah. And it's even grosser. Like it's uh, I I really don't want to think about this movie much more, so I'm just gonna put it all on the table and then hopefully it'll never be in my head ever again. Um it's basically old ass white Clint Eastwood um being racist and American as he can possibly be, um has a problem with or so he's a flower um gardener expert type thing and he never spent time with his family because he was going around with his friends to all these flower con or um events <laughs> winning all these trophies for his flowers and shit um it's it's spends half the movie with him just running into different uh groups of minorities and just throwing vulgar slang at them like he's one of the group it's so gross um he is kind of excommunicated from his family because he just was never there and didn't give a shit whatever um so his granddaughter wants to reconnect with him so he loses his business whatever shows up to her graduation before his daughter gets there and like they make a big scene that he was never there and now he's kicked out of his place because he just doesn't give a shit, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, like, he's leaving us because everybody threw a big fit and he realizes his daughter's not going to be at her daughter's reception because he's there. So he goes to leave and, like, some random guy out of the crowd is like, hey, you looking to make some money? Uh, all you guys do... <laughs> It's ridiculous. So the premise is because Clint Eastwood has driven all over the country in this beat up old Ford truck that he has stickers plastered on the back window from all these states he's driven. Um, this guy walks up, starts talking to him about driving, just driving. He gets a job just driving across country and he's like, hey, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'll make a quick buck. And, like, starts running drugs. And it's just a dumb premise. Narratively, it's just awful. Um, You have Bradley Cooper trying to catch, bust these guys. And uh, they have a run-in. And uh, the end of the movie ends with him getting caught on, like, one of his last runs. And, like, he's just doing these runs to help fix up his town, like, the first 
ride he does he buys a brand new lincoln truck whatever um and then gets his money for his granddaughter uh and then he gets another a third run is to fix up the local vfw and it's just like and then you put him in these scenes and he's just gross like it's it's like your grandpa at any reunion just gawking at all the young people it's like it's immensely gross uh so he gets busted and uh the end of the movie it ends with him going to jail uh and uh basically he uh admits he's guilty of this because his lawyer starts to argue that they were taking advantage of him because he was old and didn't know what he was doing. And he's like, no, I knew everything. It's I'm completely guilty. And he's like, well, I guess now that you're back in the family, we'll visit you in jail, even though you've only been with us for the last week because your ex-wife was dying of cancer and didn't tell anybody. It's just such a bad movie. Ugh. <laughs> So yeah, that's the mule. Don't go see it. <laughs> What's really funny is like it's it. This is not just for me coming. Um, I was at the gym today, and one of my uh, older gentlemen that is taking one of the classes that I take, um, he was talking about the mule too, and he was like, "Uh, yeah, his last three movies have just been real shit." And I was like, "Yeah, we were talking about the same thing like a few weeks ago, like." And he's like, yeah, I took my wife to the mule and like we almost, we should have walked out, but like we sat through it, but it was just a bad movie. So definitely don't see it. <laughs> so like uh, when, um, when I went to go see my uh, Aquaman 4D super experience, uh, and I went to that new theater here in town, uh, I pre-ordered my tickets through Fandango. And, like, I just – I couldn't get, like, the kiosk to scan my ticket. So I went up to the actual ticket taker, which is the worst. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad, like, everything's fucking automated <laughs> now and I don't have to talk to people. Uh, but, like, there was three kids in front of me. And this was, like uh, – I want to say this was, like, 10 o'clock on the Sunday night. Like, you know, it was, like, I wanted to catch one of the later showings opening weekend to Aquaman. Yeah. These three, they had to be like 16-year-old kids were in front of me. And I was like, fucking Christ, they're going to be sitting right next to me in Aquaman. I know it. <laughs> and they were just like, the mule, please. And I was like, what the fuck? Good. They deserve a terrible music, movie experience. <sighs> I'm really glad we didn't. I didn't push you like, to what? see that movie because, boy, I would have really felt bad starting off the year like that. Like, I can't remember where it was in the episode chronology, but you were definitely like, the mule comes out this week, and I was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, not doing it. Uh, it was like a month ago. I remember the moment, and I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, the hell with that. I don't remember why I was pushing for it, but I was like, yeah, I really hate his last couple movies. So, um, so yeah, that yeah. was my last week or so. Um you want to dive into Deadly Class then? Well, it depends. Is that where you want to start? Uh, yeah, that'll make it easy. Unless you want to start with Breaking Bad, because I can always clip 
deadly class after um after we get okay. done with Breaking Bad. So you want to? Stay? You're uh, well. You're riding this. I'm just riding this train. <laughs> uh, let's go with Breaking Bad then. Let's just keep it on these rails. If okay. you're interested, deadly class. Um, I will have it clipped in the next couple days, and I'll just have it by itself. So if that's all you're interested in. Either jump forward probably 20, 30 minutes, see if we're talking about it yet, or wait a couple days and then I'll have it clipped out. So, getting into it, Breaking Bad, Season 5, Episodes 1 through 8. Uh, Luke watched this last week. Uh, I got cut off this week. Um, we were discussing about possibly splitting this last season into four different parts, and I'm so glad we didn't. Um, thinking about it, and I mean, it would have worked. But um, this eighth episode break going into the next eight episodes is so perfect of an ending. Like, it's that moment where it's like, I really need more. And I almost pushed on when you said you had just finished it off. I was like, well, fuck it. We'll just do all the whole finale. And I was like, no, I'll wait because I've got to let these eight episodes soak in because there's some good shit that happens. Like... Like, I was taking it two episodes at a time, and, like, there were so many moments that were just catching me off guard, and a lot of that is Jesse. Like, we've seen him evolve over these last couple seasons, but, like, this season he takes it to a completely new level, and, like, his character is showing his intelligence that he's learned over these last... This... What keeps getting me is this whole series has transpired over just one year. Yes, because we see um, it's his 51st and, birthday. Mm-hmm. And the growth Jesse has done in just like the last two months or whatever, um, showing he's capable, showing he's smart, having these great ideas. Like, if he would have had an idea of how to do something in those first two seasons, nobody would have batted an eye. But you see him have two really excellent, great ideas that nobody else thought about, at least in this season. And um, I remember just talking to you about it, like the moment, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, But he was, there was, uh, he was discussing the magnets, uh, erasing the computer and like the... (laughs) the brilliance in his plan enacted by everybody else that has grown to trust him uh, because he puts his loyalty in these people that are close to him. But man, his character is a whole different ball game for the season. And I love it. And, you know, like in in terms of that, you know, like he's the one who say, you know, saves him, you know, Mike was like, Grab your money and run. It's over, boys. It's been fun. And uh, Walt's just like, what if we mail them a bomb? Hmm? How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. But like the, So we end the fourth season and realize that Gus's computer that's been recording all the stuff in the lab and whatnot is something they overlooked when they burned down the lab. So... We start up or season five, trying to decide how we're going to deal with that. Um, Mike's pretty smart. 
figures out where that it's been tagged. It's in evidence. Um, and they only have a short time to get to it. Um, what's really great is like this, each episode is so packed with everything that keeps the story moving. And like, I don't, like you said, this, this story hasn't slowed down even a little bit. Like we don't have moments where we're just filling time. Like I feel like all these bits are necessary. So, um, we get the flash forward to start off season five. Oh yeah. Machine um, gun time. Machine gun time, which is crazy because you see what a dramatic path Walt is on so far. Um, and he's only escalating things further and further, even though Jesse wants him to like, whoa, slow down. Think about this a little bit more like, which is unreasonable because I feel like Jesse's in a position where Walt was when he started this, this whole series. Um, it's just, Jesse's able to make connections better than Walt was back then. And he's, he doesn't have Walt's luck. So he has to rely on the plan. Um, and then they get to the problem of erasing the hard drive with the magnet in the truck and to end that first episode back into season five, Walt walks into the door, grabs his wife and says he forgives her. And I was blown away at the pompousness of Walt. And like, we talked about this a few times over these next two or three episodes, how you've been saying it probably since the end of season three, I think basically Jane's death, um, how Walt has become this monster and how he is, there's no redeeming this character. And like, it's very audacious and just in your face. Now, um, he believes himself to be the monster. So he wants everybody else to see it as well. Now, well, um, that he, you know, he's, he's knocked off Gus. He's taken out all his enemies. He's king shit. Now, why shouldn't he have everything he wants? And, you know, think back to the, where we were in the season two premiere where he watched uh, Tuco beat that guy to death in the in the junkyard, and he comes home and he's feeling small and powerless, and he tries to take that out on his wife sexually, you know, and he's appalled at what he's done and he can't believe it. But now he's just holding her prisoner and just does not care at this point. He, you know, he owns her, you know. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, back in the when he watches Tuco beat that guy, um, he's discussing how much money he needs to leave for his family. Jesse remembers that. So when Walt tries working towards building this empire and like Jesse's like wins enough enough. Like we have more money than we can ever spend to the point where Walt just has a fucking stack, a pallet stacked with cash in a storage locker and doesn't even know how much it is because his wife just stopped counting. He just piled it up and piled it up. Um, you also get the awesome, you get to see the, um, Madrigal side, the, uh, higher operations of Gus's, 
um, how he connected with this company that has figures like everywhere. Um, and it starts out with the head guy. The FBI comes to see him. He grabs a defibrillator and kills himself in the uh, bathroom. So you so you know things aren't right with that whole situation now that they're cracking through these these people. Um, then you get the hit out on Mike and the confrontation that that brings forward. And you see Mike going to lengths to uh, tie up these loose ends that he knows aren't going to be a problem. But now that there's been a hit on him, he has to rectify that situation. But also she has connections to the methylamine that they need to make um, meth. So yeah, he's kind of caught in a uh, tight spot. <laughs> and you can see that's why he kind of, you know, he realizes, you know, he as much as he wants to be done and like wants nothing to do with Walt, like he realizes he needs that money to pay off his guys and recoup the mm-hmm. you know his nest egg that got seized by the feds. Like he is forced to go back into business with the person he absolutely does not want to go back into business with, and uh, it works yeah. out about as well for him as it does for everyone else who partners up with Walt. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that leads them getting a new place for a new scheme for a new lab, which the lab was probably the coolest part of season five um, because we see where they went from the RV to the super lab to now they're kind of untouchable with this whole scheme that they're doing um, and doing the uh, bug tent or making meth in houses that nobody's questioning that they're being uh, tended for bugs and everything. Um, and then you uh, see them splitting up that money later. And then the legacy costs come into effect. Um, and you start with this huge stack of money for everybody. And basically that's all cut in half by everything they have to pay off um, for the mules, for the legacy and for uh the lawyer costs and everything else like and then uh walt has a problem with that because he just sees this mediocre mediocre stack left after this giant stack that was in front of him um but he realizes the cost of doing business by himself like he doesn't have the network that gus had and the ease to deliver product everywhere else um yeah and like you know like he has that line where he's just like, you know, this is less than we had when we were working for Gus. Now we own it. We get this much less. And Mike's literally like, maybe you shouldn't have killed him and destroyed his entire distribution network. This is on you. Yeah. Like live yeah. with your consequences, which is something that Jesse's been talking about since the end of season two, you know, like you gotta, you put, when you got out of rehab, it's, you know, I know who I am and I have to own up with what I do. I'm a monster, but Walt just doesn't see it that way. He's like, well, it should be easier now. It should be better. I'm boss. Like, it doesn't matter that he destroyed everything that Gus had built. He thinks it should just be his. Yeah. Um, And this is only through the third episode. Like, all these episodes are so heavy. Um, Episode four starts out with the best moment. Them selling off the Aztec and the PT Cruiser. Like, you don't have to see those fuckers ever again. 
Oh man, that's so sad. It's a sad day. <laughs> so it's Walt's birthday. Um, Skyler goes for a swim and talks Hank and Maria to take the kids. And we see them later. It's been three months, I believe they said. Um, but Beryl's being bugged when they go to grab him. And then it ends with Skylar telling Walt that she doesn't want their kids around him because of the danger he has all around him. And he, she's counting the days for his cancer to return, which was such a moment. Like, you get the I forgive you, but, like, wishing cancer on somebody is some some level of, I'm in this really precarious situation, and I have no way out, so I have to wait for something terrible to happen to you. Yeah. That's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just um, waiting so for you to get... die. It's so fucked. Yeah. Um, so you get the uh, bugging Hank's office that leads to the train heist, which I was so... is the main reason I was like, we can't split it into four. We won't get to the train heist. Yeah, I'm so glad we did it. Um, so the train heist goes off. Brilliant plan. Uh, they do great. Um, they got the new guy on the team that works for the bug company. Um, the dude that from game night and um, Black Mirror. And something else I can't remember what you were saying, but Friday um, night lights, man. <laughs> Friday night lights. Um, so they have the train heist, brilliant plan. Everything goes according to plan to the point where the train's pulling away and they're nearly finished, and they finally get everything buckled up and pull everything off. So this train takes off, and they did it. They successfully pulled off this train heist that they can never talk about. And I was so stoked. I immediately texted you. I was like, these guys are fucking brilliant to have 10 seconds later, the kid from the beginning pop up and is waving to him to the new guy, just fucking pulling the gun and shooting him. And just from extreme highs to extreme lows in split seconds. Um, I remember texting you and was like, oh my God, this is the best. And like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> um, and then we still have three episodes left. Um, so we, at that point, Mike and Jesse want to leave. They want to uh, sell this, this methylamine that they got. Well, not like... really realizing that the buyer wanted it just to get the blue stuff off the streets. Yeah. And it's um, just like, you know, like, the death of a kid again like you couldn't hit jesse any harder you know like Mm -hmm. like and to watch it happen and to be because their own directives were misunderstood you know when him and jesse jesse's like no one will see us and walt's like no one can see us And he's like well i thought you meant i should fucking shoot that innocent kid right in the face whatever uh yeah to the point you know like walt and todd and mike are you know tearing the dirt bike apart to put it in this barrel and melt it down with acid and then getting another barrel. Also, can you just buy an unlimited supply of hydrochloric acid with nobody questioning it? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Who knows? Um, (laughs) I imagine um, they pilfered a bunch of stuff from the super lab before they burned it. 
That makes sense. Um, which leads to uh, supper with Skylar and Jesse. Um, Jesse well, like, the... before that, you're forgetting, <laughs> like, uh, you know, a very important part, you know, like, they're on a cook, you know, they're cooking after this happens, and yeah. J- Jesse just can't take it. He's breaking, and then the news is on, you know, the missing kids on the news, and Walt's like, you know, it kills me that that had to happen, but, you know, we need to move on and just make sure it never happens again. And I'll finish. And Jesse's like, okay. And then Walt just starts whistling because it does not affect him at all. He's just having a good old time at work. Who cares? No, I, I think he didn't. He, I mean, he was saving face for Jesse, um, but didn't realize he was still there um, to the point where Jesse like comes in and is like getting ready to leave. And then Walt's starting to cook again and just start whistling away. Like, he doesn't have a care about this and it doesn't affect him. And like, exactly. It's he's so just brutal. <laughs> he's been lying to everyone for so long. You know, he's just like, he can't even be real about a, the death of a child on his hands. He's like, no, it doesn't affect me, but I'll pretend. Cause that's what I should do so that I can keep Jesse in my pocket. Yeah. And then Jesse comes over and tries asking him like, they should sell the methylamine. They should just be done with all of this. And why couldn't $5 million be enough? Like to the point where then Walt goes to steal the methylamine from there and gets caught by Mike sits with him all night, but Mike has his own problems. So he leaves Walt and he escapes to get the methylamine hid. And then, um, just a, a chaotic, mess of events leading to them coming up with this new plan of using this new person as a distributor. He, They have a meetup and one of the famous lines is, say my name and where he's really taken on this Heisenberg persona and he doesn't give a shit about anything around him to the point where he lets Mike get away but he still keeps Jesse under his thumb because he knows he doesn't have the money to pay him off but um he doesn't think the other people will pay for not having him aboard. Um, so he, he wants to make another lab with Jesse, but Jesse really can't handle any of this. So he's just done walks away from everything. Um, and then you get the lawyer getting caught with, with the legacy payments because Hank gets his hands tied and can't follow Mike anymore. So he, Tails, the lawyer, catches him at the bank with a bag full of money paying all these people off. Um, and then he goes back to teaching the new kid how to make and um, the bug out bag for Mike. Goes and grabs it from the airport and takes it to Mike. And Mike meets his demise. And it sucks so bad. Like, but you know, like, he would just make a make a getaway but like that was Walt's intention to not let him be able to come back and have any information on him I I don't know that it was I think think Walt took the gun instinctually you know like he wasn't going to let it sit in the bag that was given to Mike but watch him he uh, if you watch that scene you know Mike just starts yelling at him and he bruises his ego you know, he's like, yeah. you're not that great. You know, this is all your fault. Whatever, I'm done. 
<clears throat> and then you see Walt storm back to his car, and then because I think the gun was in his car, so he didn't even have it on him when he went to go talk to Mike. He walks back to the car, gets the gun, and then runs over and shoots Mike. It was all because of his bruised ego about what Mike was saying. And it's so... It's it's even more disturbing is because he tracks down Mike and makes sure that he dies at that point to the point where he still needs this list. And when Mike is dying and telling him just to fucking leave him alone, that he's like, oh yeah, I guess I can talk to that other lady that has this list of people's names that I need. Um, so I didn't really even need you at all. And to the point where it's like, yeah, you just died a needless death because you met Walt, <laughs> basically. Yep, you were in his orbit and he ruins everything. Somehow he gets out fine, but everything around him gets yeah. destroyed. Just this wake of destruction Walt in Walt's path. Um, in episode eight, finally, uh, you have... Oh, wait, we can go back. We did miss over, we did skip over the dinner scene. Oh, yeah. The dinner scene was fucking so good. Um, so, like, last week, or no, earlier in the season, Walt starts drinking. And I was like, oh, my God, Walt's going to spill the beans and everything. And, like, Luke sends me this gif of them sitting at the table drinking water. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But, yeah, we should be worried about Walt. Back to the supper where it's where that gift's from, and I was like, Oh my god, it's the water gift. Um, but you have Jesse playing nice with Skylar, and he's like, He really doesn't want to be part of this anymore. And Skylar's so fed up with all of this shit that she just doesn't care about any of it. And you have these competing forces trying to get away from Walt, but he has a stranglehold on them and their outlook of future, so. Yeah, just what like, are they to do? Jesse trying to treat it like a normal dinner, being like, "Hey, you know, these are great green beans. Good job." And and she's just like, "Did Walt tell you about my affair?" It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, so, it's so cringeworthy. Uh, and she's just like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna have a drinking problem. It's whatever." Um, and you have that. Uh, and then leads. I was gonna say you also have that part have which what? we briefly touched upon, you know, but like. Jesse, you know, when he's trying to get out, he tells him, you know, are you in the meth business or the money business? What is this? And, you know, Walt finally sits him down. He's like, I'm in the empire building business. There is no ceiling for me. I need to keep doing this because I have nothing left. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have his kids. He doesn't. He has a car wash, I suppose, but that doesn't really count for much. Um, Yeah. It's just such a wild turn of events. Like, and then Walt just to like stop giving a fuck and was like, this is all he wants to do. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense. But then you see that power that he commands from people knowing who he is and what he's done now. Um, I'm still waiting to see the hammer drop because he's the one that killed Gus. And I think that'll probably be coming. But even though we've seen him in the future getting that machine gun, so we'll see how that plays out. Which is, well, um, it was a full year in the future because he was doing his 52nd birthday yep. at Denny's. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, so you start episode eight with him just being like, well, my new neo-Nazi friends, let's commit some prison murders. <laughs> Cause... 
But even for that, he finds or the lady wants to distribute his stuff to Czechoslovakia now, and like now he is building that empire that he so desperately wanted, and like and then those killings. So this is the point that was spoiled for me a few weeks back. Oh, is this the spoiler? Um, they were all talking. Yeah, they were talking about the uh, twelve people they had to kill in like ten minutes or two it, minutes time. Yeah. And it was playing out so differently in my head, but the way it was orchestrated was so, so fantastic. Uh, I realized, I thought they were going to be in like the same prison. There was just going to be one riot and all these people were going to be dead. But the way it played out was perfect. And Walt telling them that, or them telling Walt that it couldn't be done. And he's like, no, you're going to do it exactly like I wanted to. And everything's going to be fine. And it's so ridiculous. And then he drops the money off for Jesse. Um, oh my god, that scene! It, like I, I obviously knew he wasn't there to kill Jesse because I've seen the show. But like, just you know, like one, he shows up, and Jesse's so scared he has to go get a fucking gun before he answers the door. And then after they have yeah. the nice little reminiscence about the crystal ship, you know, he's just like, "I'd left something for you," and you're like, "Oh god, what's in the bag? Is it a fucking dead kid? Is it a bomb? Like, what? What did he do?" just fucking money just fucking money and it's like jesse walked away because he didn't want anything to do with it and now you have walt who has no regard for anything anymore and he just has money laying around in a fucking storage closet or a storage locker that he's just like oh i guess i'll pay you off for things and thanks for helping whatever but i'm building this empire now without you and it's like it's so it's so dramatic of a scene that just tears everything apart that they had previously because it's like all these moments that they shared and none of that matters anymore because they're drifting further than they ever could have. Yeah, and I mean, previously. Even, and like they kicked the shit out of each other last season. Yeah, last time they were in Jesse's house together, they beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, but you know, it's also this little like an ominous scene but it's also this little like hey remember how simple things used to be when we just had to worry about rvs dying at a red light you know just like look how far we've come and the evolution that the series because you know like in even in the first season when he was teaching school you know he's you know it's it's about decay and transformation and changing and like Mm -hmm. this is a perfect example of like how much has changed within the show yeah um even more so than that like the ricin keeps coming up as well like i'm excited or not excited i'm interested and intrigued to see how that plays out because i'm sure it'll play a big part um considering they've gone to the lengths of showing it twice now and like him even making a phony one to find with Jesse in his house. Um, so he wouldn't worry about it anymore. It, it kind of makes me think that the ricin is probably going to be used on Jesse at some point, which will kill me. (laughs) I really hope that's not the case. Um, but yeah. And like, it's crazy how much it doesn't seem like these characters have big parts. Um, to the point where Hank gets a promotion, like they bug his office, 
but at the end of this eighth episode, episode of season five, Hank finds the book from that he got from um, the other cooker. I can't even think of his name, but Gail. Um, to the other WW, and like when he remembers that uh, he uh, he questioned his brother-in-law about it. Uh, he's like, yeah, you got me. It's Walter White. Ha ha ha. But like, it'll be interesting to see how this all smashes together in these last eight episodes. Like, and you were saying that it was a year between this episode and the next. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, that would be the most ridiculous time to wait for um to see the next thing that happened like i'm glad i only have to wait till tonight to watch what (laughs) happens next so oh man just Uh, wait till you see what happens next (laughs) so yeah i'm fucking stoked on breaking bad like when you said it it had no breaks now like i didn't believe you but damn oh and i guess the other thing going into the next part of the season was walt retired right i'm i'm done mm-hmm. i need my family back you know he's given it up but yeah what happens now that hank finally knows you know this person he's been chasing for a year he finally knows who it is and just has to prove it you know mm-hmm. it'll be interesting man I'm, it, I'm so excited and also like i like i'll flip back and forth between it between um last season when it went you know the three up crawl space through the finale is such a great run of episodes mm-hmm. uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a three episode run in like the second half of the season that I think might be better just <laughs> ooh, it's good and I'm looking forward to it so yeah that's Breaking Bad for the first half of season five we'll see what awaits us for the finale I'm pretty pumped uh i was not expecting this level of incredible storytelling um i remember thinking back to when we started this coming off the heels of hannibal how i I thought it was such a simple story um basically about a chemist that like that's all i've i've known about this series is this chemist that gets or the school teacher that gets cancer that decides to make meth. And like, it's, it's so much more than that. Like all these characters are so complex and like to the point where even the son is getting pissed off because he's out of the know and he's getting to that age where he should be treated more like an adult. But then you get that standoff scene where Walt confronts him is like, because I'm your father and this is what goes like, and also, God, I, I got rid of that PT Cruiser, so do what I say. <laughs> That's what I would have used, because fuck PT Cruisers. Um, but yeah, that's Breaking Bad. Uh, come back for the finale next week, because I'm sure it's going to be fucking awesome. Hmm? If, considering this show is highly regarded amongst many people, so I'm glad I'm finally getting the chance to see why. And why we put the brakes on everything else just to watch it when I said I hadn't seen any of it. So still, I, yeah. I still am shocked at that conversation. <laughs> so going from there, um, let's go into the class then. So uh, going back 
Um, Remender is one of my favorite writers for comics Boo. and whatnot. <laughs> I have an affinity for him. Even to the point where me and Luke have had many conversations. And, like, I think Luke really hates him be- because of Frankencastle. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, I I love Remender's um, independent stories like Low and Tokyo Ghost and now Deadly Class. Uh, I'm pumped. I I was expecting a more complicated story, but this kind of just seems like a a pretty easygoing experience in an earnest, just little world set thirty years ago now. So, um. I, I I'm pretty sure I saw your tweet. You bought the whole series, right? Uh yeah, I have up through volume eight now. So did you did you read more than the first volume or No, I was I was real tempted to, but I figured I'd hold off. Um just because I'm trying to read at least one trade a week, um, because I have a huge stack that I have to get through. Um but Listen, when I read read that first volume, I had the second volume loaded and ready to go. And I was like, all right, all I have to do is get through this discussion. Because I wasn't, I didn't know what we had to expect from Deadly Class, the pilot. So I didn't know if they were going to cover more material. So I figured just sticking with volume one would be the way to go with it. So Sure, which I've yeah, read, but I read volume two back when I, I picked up. I think I picked up both of them at a used bookstore and I read them both then. So I've, I've read the second trade, but that's as far as I've gotten on it. Um, Remender sucks, man. That's all I gotta say. Fuck you, man. You're an awful person. Remender's no. pretty great. Um, I, I'm, I guess I can say it for the show. Cause I know I said it to you out of everything I've read. Deadly class is the only Remender book that I like. Um, I think that my main problem is not Frank and Castle. Uh, my main problem yeah. with Remender's writing is um, he he has like two modes. He either writes really campy, dumb, silly stuff that's not, you know, it's 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 the Frank and Castle, right? It's just like, what if mm-hmm. fucking Punisher became Frankenstein's monster? Hmm? And that that's pretty yeah, cool story, yeah. right, guys? Um, and it he fluctuates between that or like super super dour nihilistic like there is no future uh everything's preordained and being used against us and there's no point in choice and here's why and that's why everyone's sad and lonely and the world needs to burn and like it's just too much for me but uh, I think Deadly Class strikes the right tone between the two, um, where you get these 80s archetypes and set in a school setting that is uh, hyper aware. You're able to, you know, it, when you're that age, everything seems so real in life and death to you. So when the bully in class mm-hmm. is like, I'm going to beat you up, you know, it's it seems like the end of the world and in this, it kind of is like, you know, that they're psychopaths yeah. may murder you. Um, and then the, in terms of like 
the nihilism and the the no future part like i think that works for a a teenager point of view because it's very kind of limited so it's it's the kind of that worldview you get as a teenager where you're just like everything's so important and i have so much to say but nothing matters and no one listens to me and you Mm -hmm. you get this hyper melodrama and i think he melds it well in that book um, speaking of which, I, this feels the most, um, cooperative between the artist and writer. Um, even to the point where, um, Remender says in the, the, uh, epilogue that, like, they actually hash this out over many calls and whatnot. And, like, it feels like his other works, like Tokyo Work and, or Tokyo Ghost and Low, um, are very he wrote the story out and the artists are just drawing what he wrote um i wasn't a fan of wes craig's art which kind of was interesting to get into this book um, um because i i really am interested in this the uh show side of it so i really want to get through this I'm um, not, which uh, it really started to what's that oh i was gonna say i'm not a super huge fan of the art it just kind of has that that indie feel to me yeah. but i like yeah. i really like the color palette in it i think that's probably the most challenging part for me um to me where you have the shading and whatnot that helps me see things more clearly um, so when it's very limited palette like this, it's it's kind of dis- hard to, for me to decipher some things. Um, but I really like the panel layouts, fantastic! Like the, all this creative ridiculousness going on, like it 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 holds tension well because it is very. Even though it's a limited palette palette it's it's very abrasive and in your face like the story needs to be and um yeah i'm i by the middle of this first volume i've really fallen in love with the art and the palette so um it was a little hump to get over those first couple issues but like as the further i got the more in love i fell with uh, i fell with the art so yeah so how do you feel the show works as an adaptation? Uh, I think it works well. I, I think they did the smart thing of kind of making them their own things. Um, there's obviously parts that were taken from both things, and I think those are the things that they want to hit on for both cases, but I think it really works well. Um, I was disappointed on how they got him into the class for the show because I think it worked so much better in the book um, and having Saya stalk him and like rather than it being an assignment because that kind of just there feels like there's no chance of them getting together at that point to the point where um, he's ready to jump off this bridge and she like kind of whispers that for him not to do it and he comes to it and doesn't but I don't think he knew that she was there um, I don't know it's it's this romantic feeling that I hope those two get together but 
also the chaos that's happening around them uh, is all consuming. So um, also the things that played out like the homeless guy, it, it'll be interesting to see how far they get. Um, because I, I think from the preview of the season, uh, it shows that they do make their way to Vegas. So I'm guessing that'll probably be near the end, probably the last few episodes. Well, uh, I mean, because like, the acid trip, this, you know, the, the pilot <laughs> episode almost covered what most of the four issues, you know, like they, they yeah. put a lot into this first episode. Hmm. Um, but I can feel, I can feel how it could, well, considering I don't know what volume two is, it feels like they could go on their own threads and then kind of completely separate from the two. Um, but I think that acid trip, I'm excited to see how that plays out um, because I love that in the books. Like that's where I started falling in love with the story is because like this hero that tries to do more than uh, he's trying to be a big shot in front of new friends and whatnot and kind of really bites off more than he can chew. <laughs> um, and that's the whole ridiculousness that ensues like them going to Vegas and all the lights and everything um, even the jackpot like I you gotta believe that I yelled hello Dougie style when he uh, hit it big <laughs> um, but I love the design of the characters uh, for the show and everything I think I'm pretty sure I fell in love with Maria's design just cause the uh I don't know. I'm on this trip with Day of the Dead stuff that, like, her whole costume just is too fucking cool. Um, because it's so, such a class against every, everybody else. Um, I love how they did Billy uh, in his mohawk fucking up, so yeah, I'm excited to see where the show goes. I'm interested. I think yeah. it needs to get more... The, the character focus that the show or that the book has I but I feel that's also a problem with the pilot they're you know mm-hmm. because just because I can point out you know that this person's playing this character in terms of like the breakfast club right Here, here's the nerdy one here's the jockey one here's the, the rebel who's hiding something but those are just archetypes that haven't filled those characters out yet but I'm hoping that's just because they're doing so much in the pilot. Yeah. And it seems like they're going to have room for that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Are we going to watch this weekly or just kind of do a wrap-up at the end? Uh, I'm, I'm cool with just kind of like touching base on it when we need to. Right on. Right on. Yeah, I'll be watching it weekly. So if something happens, then I'll be like, Hey, maybe catch up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gonna be one of those things where you're like, episode four is really good, and I was like, cool, I have to watch three episodes, and you know, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if it did in week to week, but it's fine. Uh, weirdly, uh, right, we well, we could do it like we did with uh, Sharper Objects and do like three, three, four episodes out and touch uh, on it again. My uh, weirdly enough, even though I was saying that I I like the the palette in the book i don't think it works well on the show i think it looks kind of flat yeah. and drab um yeah i think some of the choreography is not quite up to snuff but uh we'll see 
we'll see what happens when they get going. I think it's cool uh, the talent they did bring in. Um, you got Wong from uh, Doctor Strange. I can't think of his damn name. Um, but the other time sorceress, whatever guy. Um, and then Henry Rollins. Uh, so, I mean, they got some bigger names, and uh, I think they play the parts well. So, Plus, yeah. uh, you know, any show that plays uh, Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Man has my seal of confidence in some ways. See, that's exciting because I had no idea that that was a thing. And now what? I'm going to listen. I didn't know what it was, so... Now I'm it's, going to listen to it again right after I hit this. <laughs> it's the song that's playing when he's uh, when he's showering, getting all the grime and stuff off. Oh, when okay. He first joins. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, right on. But yeah, I think it works well, and especially for a sci-fi series, it seems like sci-fi knows what they're doing with their sci-fis, and and hopefully. See, that's the problem is I, I think they're putting so much in from this first volume is because they're not expecting to get picked up for a season two. So might as well get a good story in for the if they only get one season. So we'll see. <laughs> but check it out. I think it's streaming for free on sci-fi. So uh, you check have to the pilot. cable login. Um, well, forget what I just said and get a cable login or talk to your friends. Yeah, get friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely check that out and read uh, the first volume and whatnot because I think these, I think this story is going somewhere where I'm really excited about. So yeah, I'm stoked. Going from there, uh, let's hit on the Netflix movie Close. And how would you feel about that? Man, that movie's bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I hate it because um, so we were ending last season. We were kind of discussing a few things at the end. And Luke brought up that Numi was in this new movie. And I was like, absolutely. It's on the list already for next week. And um, it's it's your basic Netflix movie. It's not It's nothing extraordinary. Um, it's got a couple twists and turns, but like nothing exemplary. Um, I just really think Numi's going to do something that's going to rock the world, and I'm waiting for that to happen. And it's definitely not this movie. No, uh, I knew we were in trouble when like we start in the opening scene, and she's like under siege in the Middle East, and uh, she gets her people into a car and drives off and it cuts to black and it's like closed and then it comes back in for like a three second shot of the car driving away and then it goes into these weird like credit sequence and I was like what the fuck tone is this what is happening <laughs> yeah that's that's the movie pretty much um, it... yeah and then it's just uh, I, I don't know there's no character depth to anyone they just kind of say things like I, I still can't quite figure out what bracelet. I know I control my alien power. What? No, I don't know what you're talking about, but thank you. Oh, runaways? No. 
a dinosaur? Oh, runaways. runaways. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, well, that's what exactly what you said. Like, you're out of Thank you. No, I feel I feel pretty much about that show the same as I feel about this movie. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just a mess. Um, it feels like going back to one of your favorites last year, Revenge, and like you get such an amazing performance, and you just don't get that from pretty much anybody in this show. Um, if it's just so lifeless. Um, for the most part, um, just kind of not surprising that this was on nobody's radar. So, yeah, it's it doesn't Skip make it. sense. <laughs> Shit just happens. Uh, like yeah. I still can't figure out exactly why. Um, you know, there should be any feelings of any kind when that dude just gets blasted in the head after seeing him once before. <laughs> like I have no idea what their connection is, who these people are to each other. Yeah, so skip that one. Uh, on to that, from there, what did you feel about the passage? Uh, well, no, let me ask, because I read the book, so how did okay. you feel about the passage? Wait, 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 let Listen. me clarify. You cannot just say Desmond's in it. You have, to, you have to give me something more than that. Listen, you give me Zach Morris and Desmond... And vampires, and I'm in. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's crazy is like this feels like um, it feels like it's on it. Uh, it's one of those NBC shows that it just really doesn't fit a cable lineup, but it feels very clean and streamlined. Um, like the set designs are great. Like they're uh, these in this lab. Take, or uh, watching over these murderers that basically they've infected with this vampire virus, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's back up. Let's back up. So the show <laughs> starts out. Um, they're hiking in these woods to find their friend, I believe. They were no. looking for their friend, right? No, they're looking for the man who's supposedly been alive for 250 oh, years. Okay, yeah, yeah. 250-year-old man. Um, which they find him in this cave, and like some kid unlocks the cage. The, and the motherfucking thing is in a cage in a cave. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise, this vampire attacks. Um, and then you get this. Isn't that right? Jump and that dude just randomly knows to stake it. He's just like, oh no, the, the, the bullets aren't stopping it. And that one dude just rolls up and stakes it. Uh, yeah, because he's read a vampire story to the point where the next thing is they're like they're describing these diseases and like all these murderers that they've uh, infected with this and whatnot to the point where they're like, we're not going to call them vampires, but wink, they're definitely <laughs> vampires. Um, you so this um, disease essentially makes you immune to diseases at the cost of your life, I suppose. Um, It gives you exponential healing uh, off the bat. Like, the younger you are, the better your body is able to cope with the healing effect. And it doesn't necessarily make you a 
lifeless corpse for the most part. Um, the first guy that was infected, that was Desmond's friend, um, is the head guy now, I suppose. Um, and he just hasn't done anything since they've returned and he healed. Um, and there's this chick that the youngest of these killers that has been infected that hasn't lost her age, but she's kind of lifeless. Um, and they have a cool, really cool dynamic where uh, these, I want to say that they're um, able to speak to people through their dreams. And like, this is only told to Desmond because Desmond's not experiencing these nightmares, but um, like the lab assistants are telling him about their nightmares and like, they're talking to them in their dreams and you see them see the one guy have sexy time with the youngest murderer (laughs) zombie after she feeds like she's staring at him whatnot um yeah there's some intriguing stuff with that but the bulk of this story lies with zach morris going (laughs) which is a sentence i never thought anyone would say (laughs) (laughs) it was zach morris going and grabbing this 10 year old who uh, her mother just OD'd a few days prior, and they're looking for a kid to infect to see how well this disease will stabilize them because they're fighting off some super virus in Europe right now that will is assumingly make it to America sooner rather than later. So um, he picks her up, and starts driving her to this facility and kind of has a change of heart and realizes that he shouldn't be doing this and taking this kid to the point where, hey, let's get the word out about it and let's let the news know and then you'll probably be safe from all of this. And he goes to turn himself in and realizes that that was a bad decision because they been tracking him to the point where they've kind of silenced everything around him and he realizes this a little too late um gets the girl out of there and now they're on their way to freedom or at least away from the bad people so to speak um so yeah i'm intrigued by the series I, how how long is the season then uh i did not check um I want to say probably 10 episodes, but knowing Fox, it's probably something dumb. Never know. Um, It's interesting. Um, The bulk of what it looks like they're going to be telling in the story is like only the first like 200 pages of the book, which I'm assuming is due to budget budgetary constraints. But uh, it was my favorite part of the book. I kind of lost interest when it did the I'm trying to dance. I don't know. Is it dancing with spoilers <laughs> when she cuz literally the you know in her voiceover at the beginning she's like uh whatever she was like I'm the girl who doesn't die or whatever the hell she says, you know. Um the oh, book Oh yeah, and then at the end it's like uh this is the point that I remember the most. It's kind of has that saga feel that like oh shit. Zach definitely isn't going to make it for all the, all the time. So 
but uh yeah like in the book it's dealing with this and um you know it's basically going the same way and then like some shit happens and then it jumps like a hundred years into the future oh really (laughs) um so this was a trilogy right it was. I've only read most of the first book. I actually didn't even finish it. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's like a post-apocalyptic. It becomes a post-apocalyptic book. Oh. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, I'm intrigued by it. I don't know. Um, Basically, when I texted my buddy who's also read the book, he was just, I was just like, man, I don't know if this is bad enough to keep watching or not. Because like, it's just not quite theirs like it's kind of like guilty pleasure thing but then it's also not good enough to watch what's really funny is we're gonna get three episodes in and i'm gonna be like remember that part i don't like about the gifted where they rely heavily on family and dealing with that crap it's probably gonna be that because <laughs> i don't foresee fox doing anything different i don't um, know man it could be fucking vampire city all the time i don't know <laughs> Listen, I hope it's Vampire City. I'm in on vampires. Like, fucking give me that girl with stakes just going around being Little Blade. I'm down for that. So you're saying you want to watch Buffy. That's what you're saying. Oh, is that where we're going? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. But yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, I think probably touch base on this. I don't think watching it week to week. No, I'm I'm willing to check out the second episode, and I think I'll give me an idea of whether I want to stick with it or not. So we'll come back in two weeks, and we'll Could record on the next two episodes. Could you imagine if, like, Desmond was sitting there, you know, he's fucking playing Fleetwood Mac in front of his friend and just staring at him, and then his friend just puts his hand on the glass and says, not Penny's boat on it. Boom, crossover. <laughs> Listen, that's all I was hoping for. I was like, do it. Touch the goddamn glass. Not Penny's boat. Do it. Do it. Or you get uh, fucking Kurt Russell and Star-Lord fighting in the background. Man, nobody wants that. That same damn song. Everybody wants that. You're a ridiculous person. So, going from there, let's talk about the big one. Um, Basically, Unbreakable Split in Glass. Um, I'm glad I rewatched them because I don't think I've seen Unbreakable in the last 20 years. Well, it's been a hot minute, but I remember it fairly well. I remember everyone talks in a whisper. Uh, I forgot most of that movie. Really? Which was a great recap. Um, to the point where the, <laughs> the kid points the gun at them and was like, listen, hard stop. We're putting you in foster care because you just pointed the gun at me. That's to prove he's a superhero. Um, listen, there's other ways to deal with this than fucking lo- <laughs> throwing a or a pointing a six shooter at your father, <laughs> especially when your parents have their marriage on the rocks. That's what brings them back together. Listen, mom, he's a superhero. I'm gonna prove it. Watch this. Watch this. Put the goddamn gun down. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, but that Unbreakable is incredible. Um, I really love the world they put together. It feels that movie held up so well because 
it's this great dissection of this the superhero comics. Um, I'm sure you could speak more to that because I'm sure you've watched this many more times than I have. Mm, I think, I think it is <coughs> a more grounded take before, you know, grounded mm-hmm. takes were really a thing, you know, when people were still trying to figure out what a comic book movie could be, you know, M night came yeah. in and was like, I'm going to do one that's wholly grounded and original and it's going to be in a real world. You know, the thing that Marvel tries so hard to do, you know, everything's in New York and it's semi-believable to a point, you know. Um, but, I mean, I don't think M. Knight's ever read a comic book in his life, <laughs> you know, so like I'm not sure how well he goes into actually deconstructing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you put it, this was I think it came out in 2000, didn't it? Yes. So nearly 20 years ago, way before the MCU, way before anything DC No, that's related. not true. Um, X-Men came out in 1999. I mean, you have X-Men that was kind of trying to do it, but it kind of didn't work because the guy making the movie doesn't have an affinity for comics, it doesn't seem. It's true, but um, I, I still think that first X-Men movie is half of a good movie, so. That's fair. That's fair. But that half doesn't stand a chance going against this whole movie. <laughs> I think that this did a way better job of making you believe that superheroes could exist in the real world. Yeah, I think my main problem, and the thing that I always forget when I think about as Unbreakable, is the fact that he's actually like weak to water. I'm always just like, in my head, it's always that he fell in the pool, and that's show that kind of that Luke Cage thing, right? Where he may be indestructible, but he could still be drowned or poisoned. You know, like there's weaknesses, but yeah. they literally pay up water as like his kryptonite, and I always forget that. Uh, which is so ridiculous because this is 20 years ago. And like since that time, um, we've seen, I don't know if you have, but like, um, so Stanley had that superhero show on. And I think like one of the first episodes was the dude that can hold his breath underwater for like 20 minutes. And I was like, this is co- completely normal. Like this is, this is real life. Like there's superheroes amongst us. So, um, it always felt like uh, if he, he was indestructible, he would probably just sink anyway. Like, I don't think that was a... De- like, it never made sense that water was his detriment. I just felt like it was his composition that was not able to compensate for the the being able to get out of that water situation. Um, but... <laughs> It was, yeah. That's really all I have for Unbreakable. It's really good. Um, Sam Jackson's really good on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I love that twist really caught me off guard, too, because I completely, like, literally when I say I forgot almost everything about this movie, I did. Like, I think maybe I remember that he faked the car accident in high school just so he could stay with his wife, and, like, that's it. (laughs) That's all I remembered. Um, so when that twist hits, 
uh, I was like, oh, yeah, this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie because it was like, oh, what a twist. Um, <laughs> but I think it's one that thematically works, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. It's not just uh-huh. the village was really in modern times and no one knows, you know, it was, you know, of course, he's the manipulator mastermind like Luther type behind and he's doing it to make himself feel more special and that he's not alone and. He's, you know, it, which it was, works. Which was such a crazy sentiment for a villain to have. Like, he's just doing villainous shit because he's searching for someone like him. Um, which is, like, it, it seems so much more grounded than, oh, I'm going to take over the world because I can, kind of thing. So, yeah, I really enjoyed watch, re-watching Unbreakable. Um, that going into Split and seeing this little trilogy that he was building. Um, was it always meant to be a trilogy? Man, who knows? Everyone's going to say it was, you know, because that's the mythology that he puts forward. And, you know, he's always said that, uh, you know, McAvoy's character in Split was supposed to show up in the original draft of Unbreakable and it was cut. And that's why he sat on the idea and, Man, I don't know. I think it's really just like he had an idea and was it didn't quite have a twist ending, so he threw that it's an unbreakable yeah. sequel on it. That's fair. Um, so moving into Split, um, I brought up the fact that we reviewed it or talked about it on the first episode because I actually went back and, and was going over our notes and I remember you had such a problem with Split because it just kind of was a mess. Um, The kind of things that they showed like didn't necessarily make sense but I remember I really enjoyed Split because of the ideas it brought forward. Like, Are we going to have this conversation again? The idea that those that are only fit to survive are those that have suffered greatly? Like, What kind of message is that? No, 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 no. It's not that at all. I think that okay, so if Unbreakable brings this idea that superheroes can exist, Split does this great job of showing people they can be more than they are because of their the brain is such an incredible thing in the human composition that it can help us become more than we're actually expected to ever be um and like all the pieces of that movie is you were diddled in the forest by your uncle so you become more your suffering has brought you a greater learning Listen, I don't, I'm not signing up for that portion of it. Um, but like the idea of these split personalities um, helping this person along the way because of what happened to him works um, and provides a good counterpoint. Like, there's a lot of that movie that I don't like, but that idea makes me hope for a great M. Night Shyamalan movie at some point. (laughs) Because Um, Glass wasn't one. There we go. I knew you didn't like Glass. It's so bad. Correct. It's such a pile of shit. 
I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I really enjoyed it. What? How? I think. Um. So I knew you were gonna not like it based on how you didn't like Split. Um, I think these three pieces fit together well to tell one story well. Um, but there's a lot of mess along the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really all I can say about it. Uh, I, I say about that part of it. Uh, I like how they use the characters. Like the his son comes back uh, is the same character from 20 years ago. Um, he has adapted adopted this role of the guardian of the city whatnot um and then running into the beast like it's set three weeks after split takes effect and they're kind of trying to track him down and using their wits even the m9 Shyamalan cameo that references the one from the first movie um yeah i i there's a lot that kind of works for pieces along for this puzzle. Well, the main um, problem I will say is... if you're watching this movie by itself, by its lonesome, it's kind of a just a mess. An it's a mess no matter what. That's not <laughs> anybody. Um, yeah. One, pretty much everything you just lauded is the first 15 minutes of the movie. And then we mm. get this horribly long, boring, dull stretch mm-hmm. where they're locked in a mental institution and they're they're pissing me off because you can't <laughs> listen like you can't you can't show me two films before that blatantly, physically, overtly says that people with powers exist and then spend half your movie being like, maybe you're just crazy. Hmm? You ever think about that? Really not happening. No, bitch. I saw already. I've, I've seen this motherfucker <laughs> take a shotgun blast and climb across walls and a man survive a train wreck. These you've already spent two films establishing that this was real and it happened. You can't spend the third movie being like, Mm-mm, maybe not. Huh? Do you ever think about that? <laughs> Yeah, I I see where you're coming from now. Um, I looked at it the way that... Um, so I didn't watch any trailers for this movie whatnot. Um, but like the day before I saw this, uh, I came across the... Uh, one with superpowers, one's a beast, one's super intelligent, and then the super skeptic. And I was like, is she the actual villain of this movie? And like, it seemed like the role she was playing was more evil than anybody else in the whole movie. Um, to the point where she's pressing them to have surgery because they are incredible beings. And she just wants to make sh- like she's trying to get them help that they don't necessarily need. Um, then the twist comes and it's like, oh, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> and then the, the second twist comes and it's like, yay, guys, I guess. And then the third twist comes and like, what is even happening? This is so nonsensical. <laughs> like, yeah. 
so much. Like, explain to me this. How did they have all those cops and those lights fucking rigged outside that warehouse when done and they just found where the beast was? Like, how, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it, it's uh, I'm just, guessing the kid, the kid called it in. Why would the kid call it in? Uh, because he knew how dangerous the other guy was and how tired his father was trying to, it seemed like it. Hmm. Interesting. And then I, I don't know. You, you bring back, uh, Casey from the first film or from split and give her nothing to do. Like you've neutered any character growth that person went through in the last film by having them be Mm -hmm. just a plot device in this one where she just gets to be yeah. Black Widow to his Hulk. Um, I think, like, I like McAvoy in Split. I think he's turned up to 11 in this film, and it does not it's almost exhausting to watch in this time. Like, there were clear... I thought they del- were doing some really good things with the Horde, like, keeping them... Like on top of everything, um, in the the struggle, in to the point where they actually called forth his original self, and he's like, "I don't fucking care what goes on. I just don't want to be part of this anymore." And it's like, "Damn." <laughs> but you know, like at least in in Split, he had you know like four was it like three or four like main characters, and he kind of went between them. In this, there'll be scenes where, like, he goes through, like, ten personalities and, like, one shot takes. And it's just like, calm down, man. This is giving me nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I think he was pretty brilliant in Split in this kind of, yeah. As you're saying, it was pretty exhaustive. Um, and then, like, you know, that weird part where, like, Sam Jackson doesn't show up until halfway through the movie and he doesn't even actually start like talking or doing anything till two thirds through the movie. And then (laughs) Bruce Willis just disappears after the first 15 minutes. He's just like chilling in my cell. I guess when the third act drops, I'll come back out guys, but otherwise don't look for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think what he accomplished, though, with these three movies is something pretty incredible, considering they're 20, 20 years apart. Mm, don't, um, don't say that. Listen, that's what I thought coming into this, but you're making a lot of good points, and I'm rethinking that. Um, and then, like, like <sighs> they... Oh my god, the twist is incomprehensible and I don't understand. There's a secret cabal that's stopping anyone with powers from existing and they murder all three of these characters. Um, But then like you get to this to to my my proof that Shyamalan's never read a comic book. When like when it gets to the third act and like like this is a limited run and it's time for the thing they call the showdown. It's like, fuck you. No one talks like that. What do you shut up? <laughs> and then when like, hmm. when Sam Jackson's dying, it's just like, 
it wasn't a limited series. It was an origin story. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? You're just saying things. Stop it. (laughs) Damn it. Because I honestly thought that uh, when he was saying, you know, like, it's an origin story, I thought he knew they were all going to die at this point. And it was going to be. Yeah, that's what I figured too. And I thought it was going to be that the the trauma from what these the supporting characters saw, you know, Dunn's son and Casey, that it was going to transform them and actually bring about mm-hmm. their kind of a change. And they were going to be like the second generation being born out of this. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it's no fucking secret that comic book hinges on uh, loss and death and origin stories. So, you know, like... Yeah, Kevin dying in Casey's arms and Dunn being drowned in front of his son. Like I figured that was going to be like the trigger, and you know he's found more people, and this is kickstarting their X gene to say in parlance. Uh, but like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It just becomes this weird mess that just keeps going and going at the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the way I saw it was, um. It felt very much like what that first Matrix movie did spread over three movies worth. Um, And like him ending like this is not the ending, it's the beginning kind of moment Um, when he was like it's the origin story. Um, I never want to revisit this world again. (laughs) But I think he's probably going to touch it again I could definitely see him using characters again um, but I hope he doesn't because yeah I'm kind of over this world but I really <laughs> I would still be pulling for M. Night Shyamalan I think he's got a decent head on his shoulders and I think he's trying new things that not many others are did you ever watch The Visit the movie he did before Split <laughs> I did not. Okay. I need you to go watch that movie and come back to me and talk about your thoughts on M. Night Shyamalan. All right. I can do that. That's something I can do for you. But, uh, yeah. Go maybe kind of see Glass. I don't know where I stand anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. That's... uh, that's random number 84. Yeah, it's 84. What are we watching for next week, then? <laughs> uh, uh, shit, I drew... Oh, uh, The Kid Who Would Be King. You're actually going to see it? Dude, it's uh, it's Joe Cornish. Like, I'll watch his... Fu- I love Attack the Block so much, I will watch his kids' movie sequel or follow-up. Oh, shit. I am so fucking pumped right now. <laughs> I figured um, this was going to be the like King Arthur story that I watch once a year, and you're like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but I'm fucking pumped knowing, knowing that you're going to see it. So uh, <laughs> so we got that. Um, as far as I know, that Serenity movie with Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey is finally coming out. That's being pushed like three times. Right on. And then we'll finish up Breaking Bad. And mm-hmm. then we have, I want to say it's called Polar, 
the the Mads Mikkelsen is a hitman on Netflix movie. Ooh, yeah, Fuck yeah, let's fucking party. She, yeah, and then I'll probably watch the visit this week. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well that'll do it. Um, we'll catch you next week for all that good stuff. So, peace out, pineapple and good stuff. Later. What a twist. <laughs>